welcome to Geek Cinema Podcast, a podcast dedicated to geeky, nerdy, and fanboy or fangirl movies alike. And welcome to our part three episode of our celebration of 50 years of Batman films with the 92 release of Tim Burton's Batman Returns. I cannot explain to you how frustrating this episode was because last week we tried to record it the same night of our 89 episode which if you listen to that episode you f- remember that we lost power during the recording of the 89 and then we had to go over and to another friend's house and do it but then it got way too late to do the second episode and so then we started recording it while i was on vacation and i had so many issues with the microphones I, I swear I tried to make it sound better. I apologize for what you're about to go through. Hopefully you don't hate it too much. Um, and also, we had recorded about 20-30 minutes in. Um, did trivia and everything. And once again, something happened on Matt and Seth's end in the studio. And they lost the tracking so we had to start over. But here we are. Alright, I won't bore you anymore with these stupid details. There are, of course, spoilers for the movie as well as a few others in the Batman catalog. Enjoy the conversation. Alright. Well, jeez. What a day. What a day. Yeah, this what a been, day. This has been a horrible day, but okay. So, We're back. <laughs> We're back. We're back. We're back for not only the... Second time today. It's like fourth time it's overall because like we've tried to. There's a problem <laughs> with the Batman, with the Burton Batman films. Yeah. There must be because uh, I I don't know. I don't get it. Things like, have been we, going terribly wrong. Yeah, but we're the, just these we're two films. This. Like yeah. something is against us. <laughs> All right. Batman returns, 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 yeah. returns, returns, yeah. <laughs> returns times four. Not only has Batman returned, but we have as well. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, so, Seth, this was your first time seeing it. Yeah. Talk to me about it. Well, so this is a movie that I've known about for at least as long as I've seen um, Batman. Five years ago. I know Everett would talk about it, and he'd be super shocked that I haven't seen it. Um, but, so, I, I think it was around the time that I watched Batman, I actually saw a scene, and it's literally the worst scene to just see because it was a scene in the climax with the Penguin and um, Selena Kyle, like, uh, with the getting shot... Oh, yeah. really? That was the thing I you saw see. that scene, yeah. And that was literally the only scene that I'd seen of this movie. Spoiler how do alert. How do that? I have no idea. You, honestly, this is how I remember it. I think I went over to Everett's house with Everett. I walk into his den or uh, living room or however you want to say. And I'm pretty sure your parents... We're watching it, Everett. Yeah, and I show up and I'm looking at it. And, of course, I'm intrigued because I haven't seen the movie. And I see the penguin for literally the first time in, like, the movie. And I'm like, whoa. And Selena Kyle. And, <laughs> Selena Kyle. You can't forget that. And but th- that whole scene. That, that scene is literally one of the coolest scenes in the movie. At least for me. When she's getting shot and she's still 
coming, making her way towards him. That, I mean, it made an impact on me from seeing just that when I went over to their house. Um, and it's even more so after I actually watched the full movie. But anyway, so I, I saw that. And so the anticipation for seeing this movie has been up high. I'm pretty sure the reason why I ended up waiting so long is because I wanted to watch it with Everett and Kendall. Right. Um, and it just, we had other movies we wanted to watch and then his got stolen. And so it just hadn't happened until um, last week. And I just wish that I wouldn't have waited so long because this this one is it's not even like a competition. This one, I, I prefer this one way more than this one even competes with like uh, Batman Begins, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, even the Dark Knight. Like I really like this movie. Interesting. How about you? Ever? Oh, oh, yeah, me. Actually, I, I me personally, this is my favorite Batman movie of all time. How long ago did you see it? I believe this is actually the first Batman movie I ever saw because uh, I grew up on the animated series and mm-hmm. so I probably saw this in like 96 or 7 or something like that probably if not, uh, it's possible I saw Forever first but uh, I believe it was it was this one that I saw first and I don't have a huge memory of it just because uh, that was a long, long time ago yeah, right. but I know uh Seeing it again in my preteens, uh, I fell in love with it again because I mean, Danny DeVito's performance is just so convincing. Yeah, it is. It's out. It's outright terrifying. Um, I don't know. Like I remember, first time I saw it um, it was at a drive-in theater here in the city, and it was uh, it was before we had all the city lights, so a dark movie like this could still work on an outside drive-in theater. Um, I remember, I remember mothers taking their kids and leaving because it was too dark and the penguin was too scary. I remember kids crying and I'm there and I'm like, what? I I guess I'm around five years old and I'm like, this is awesome. This is the best thing ever. (laughs) Yeah. Like that opening, like, from the opening scene um, and that haunting score, like the new, the new old theme, same theme but new added elements into it by Danny Elfman, like I was hooked. And not only that, like ten minutes in, you get one of the best. Like for the longest time, it was the best Batman action scene committed to film. Him taking down the Red Triangle Gang, yeah, uh, as the uh, as they all burst out of like uh, what, sewer, like sewers, caps they come and, out of the yeah. yeah, they come out of those uh, the big present. Yeah, there's the big present. Right. Boom! It explodes. Yeah. It's like oh my god! Um, and not only that, like you get to see, you get to see, you get to see Bruce. What does Bruce do? I mean, obviously he hovers around the library and waits for the signal. But it's mm. just, I don't know. Like I got chills, and I get chills thinking about it whenever Commissioner Gordon's like hit the signal like it you yes. know it's on you know it's it's, it's coming on <laughs> like yeah um this was a very different film um tim burton came back but he had to have a, a few conditions um one of them was 
taking control of the script and having final say in that, mm. uh, more control over the designs, which, I mean, if you look at everything in this film and you look at the more recent Tim Burton stuff, like, this is like a Tim Burton Nightmare Before Christmas or uh, Sweeney Todd kind mm, of... Good movie. ...kind of thing come to life. Yeah, like, I mean, for sure. All the designs and like if you see if you see the original design of the penguin um, that Tim drew, it looks like the mayor kind of from Nightmare Before Christmas. Like it, it could exist in that world. So, uh, I don't know. It was it was, it was a lot of great uh, a lot of great designs. I love the new bat suit. Like this is the for the longest time. Like this and this actually probably still is my favorite bat suit. Um, I don't know why, but the way the abs are more mechanical looking, mm. I like that. I like that so much more than just fake right. muscle. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Like fake muscle is kind of like a lame. It's it's lame, and it's just kind of <laughs> like, well, you know, like we told you to go to the gym, you didn't go to the gym, so you get the rubbers. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like it made Batman feel kind of more alien. Um, a little bit too not so much like just a man because with muscles you're just a man but if you're kind of obviously running around in a leather shoot, suit makes you weird <laughs> but like if your overall look is more sleek more um, I don't know more robotic people kind of question what you are necessarily mm-hmm. kind of at least that was always the perception that I got uh, right as far as the script goes, uh, so Sam Hamm wrote the initial film script and wrote this script, uh, but it was completely thrown out by Tim Burton. Um, part of that was based on what Michael Keaton wanted. Uh, Michael Keaton wanted to come back. Obviously, he wanted to hike in the salary, but more than that, he wanted this film to not be a direct sequel. And thinking about it, it has to do with a lot of the culture back in the 80s was that if you do sequels you're a one-note actor and that's why you see so little bill murray sequels is because he's very much of that mind Hmm. Um, i don't know why but bill murray did garfield too and he did (laughs) but he also did ghostbusters too but i think that's all that's in his uh his those also reminded him of why (laughs) i like ghostbusters too i never Uh, liked i didn't really care for either movie actually we should talk about that sometime. That would be <laughs> yeah. interesting. Uh, so Sam Hamm's script had uh, Vicky Vell returning, which obviously she didn't. It would have had the Joker appearing in flashbacks. That didn't happen. Um, so Daniel Waters was brought in, the writer of Heathers, and he rewrote the script, gave it a new treatment, made, uh, uh, made Penguin and Catwoman the villains. He also had initially written in Robin, and Robin was going to be played by uh, African American actor Marlon Wayans. You know him from the scary movie films. What? And, right? Like <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. But but hey, like I mean, that's kind of going beyond. Like that's that's looking at like hey, like this guy's what's best for the character. And on top of that, it wasn't going to be Dick Grayson, so not many people would have been angry. Because it was a new character who'd only been around for about a year or so, uh, maybe two, mm. uh, Tim Drake. Who's awesome. So we would have skipped Dick Grayson and went straight to uh, Tim Drake. 
They got as far as doing costume tests. They had him signed on for parts two and three. Um, and we had figures. We had toys. And the toys came out. Of course, they were repainted as a white person whenever they um, whenever they ditched the whole Robin idea. That's racist! <laughs> he said that's racist. <laughs> That was. Sorry. Did you like yell that in the like open room or something? Yeah, it was a soundbite. Scared me to death. I was like, uh, did Everett just die? I, yeah, yeah, I can I can attest because I saw Matt's face and it looked a little horrified. I was like, <laughs> um, I'm glad I understood what she said. Cause... But if you see the figure, like it's very much uh, like I had the figure, and it, I always wondered why Robin had a flat top. Uh, <laughs> a flat top and very very textured hair it never made sense to me and then later you learn what, what the story was and it made sense um, so we had that uh, in, the, in the initial rewrite you also had uh, Harvey Dent and Harvey Dent was going to be Max Shrek uh, except it was going to be a corporate uh, a corrupt DA instead of a corrupt businessman um, and by the end of the film uh, he would have been electrocuted and only half of him would have been destroyed, setting up the villain for part three. For forever. But because Tim Drake was not, or Tim Drake, Tim Burton was not 110% uh, sure he wanted to return for part three, he he nixed, he nixed that. He nixed Robin, he nixed, uh, he nixed Harvey Dent. Uh, that's part of the reason why you don't see Harvey Dent in this film whatsoever. Mm. Um, and Max Shrek, was created. Um, Max Shrek was also going to make his way into Batman the Animated Series, uh, but was replaced with Robert Daggett whenever Tim Burton said, no, I don't want my character being used by that because when you create an original character, even if it's not necessarily your property, you own that character. Or at least back back in the 90s you did. Things have changed a lot since then. Hmm. Okay. And I think uh, just for time's sake, we should go ahead and stop, uh, just call him Shrek, just for time's sake, simply. Yeah, okay. you're right. Shrek. Right. Shrek. Shrek. <laughs> you know what? That's that's great. You know, I, you, that would actually make a really good kids film <laughs> title. Huh. Like, maybe about something kind of like the Hulk, but not Green? the Hulk. Green? Yeah. But there has <laughs> to be an ass in it. Yeah, and you can't have anything that's veiny. Wow. Uh, <laughs> It sounds good. Per- <laughs> like in the pitch, guys. We're about to make millions of dollars. So, opening in this film, we have the haunting score, and we have we have a terrifying upbringing of a child, which goes on to be the penguin. And you will notice uh, frequent Tim Burton collaborator Paul Rubens as his father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was initially going to be Burgess Meredith, the penguin from the 1966. Uh, oh. Batman series, but that that got nixed due to health reasons. And Paul Rubens would go on to play the Penguin's father once again in Gotham. So, which I have not. I've only I've only finished. I didn't even finish the first season. It's okay. Think. It's not worth it. And I don't. Yeah, I, get, I, I, you, you, you don't, don't want to get me riled up about it. Yeah, I wasn't quite sold on it. And you know, I something that I thought was cool that I noticed this time that I'm not positive was intentional but i i'd have to assume it might have may have been 
but uh, Penguin is kind of like a little bit of a the twisted version of the biblical story of Moses, where his parents let him go in a basket down the river, and uh, then later on in the movie, you find out he's going to um, kill all the firstborns of the city. I don't remember Moses killing the firstborns, but maybe I'm just... Oh, the... F- yep. there, he, he, an angel uh, was one of his plagues that comes and kills all the firstborns. Right, interesting. yeah. Interesting, okay. I recall. Of the Egyptians. Hmm. That is interesting. I never uh, I never made that connection. Of course... Uh, Bible in- man over here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, something else about the penguin is Max Shrek was going to be... And they leave hints about it. Uh, is going to be his younger brother, which would have been interesting, but it kind of takes away from the character of the penguin. Because, what? Because isolation is what makes up, uh, makes the penguin who he is. Because right. it's that isolation and that cold heart that leads him to be this monster. It's not supposed to end with like, "You're my brother. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Why are we doing this? Yeah, like, I, I don't need to sick my." Uh, my beautiful penguins. My, on, my rocket-powered oh, penguins. Yeah. On you. <laughs> <laughs> I could just, just live, and be happy. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that, especially in a Tim Burton film. No it way. Never, no never way. works like that. Uh, but we got we got Danny Elfman back on the score, and we have no Prince this time around. We also right. have no. But Prince act- might not have quite fit this movie. He you fit the first movie perfectly. He, he did. He did. And, you know, like, I can only imagine had they brought him back, like, what how that would have gone. Yeah. Like, what? I mean, Prince has made some very, like, everybody just remembers, like, the hits. Yeah. But, like, he actually made some really, there's a lot of really interesting and moody pieces from him. Hmm. Um, so it could have been interesting to see what he would have done. Yeah. With the penguin, but I'm happy they went the direction they did. They didn't make a full-on soundtrack, but they got Susie and the Banshees to do Face to Face, which is featured in the masquerading or the masquerade ball scene. Which is an amazing scene. It is an amazing scene, and uh, it's a perfect song for that moment too, because they're face, face to face. To face. Yeah. They're the only per- people in the whole masquerade ball not wearing a mask. And they both wear masks. And they do. So, which is not actually something that I. Had uh, completely. Are you shocked right now? Hearing that, what did you say? Are you shocked right now hearing that, Seth, about the masks? I'm super shocked. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) For the listeners, we we, there's a lot being reiterated right now because (laughs) there is yeah. yeah, Like uh, this is returns, 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 returns. Right, returns, 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 returns. Which I wanted uh, along that line that 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 song fitting. I think Prince like fit really well with the Joker. Is why that worked out so well. It did, which is so odd because like I don't, I don't think I would have put. I would not. I mean, like I don't know. I just not. I would not have put that together whenever mm-hmm. I. If somebody asked me to hire an artist to do a Batman film, I would not have picked prince at all but whenever you think about it just from but you're thinking about it from the batman point of view but when you think it from the joker point of view he would have worked yeah um i mean i'm not i'm not quite sure what what band i would have got to do the uh the batman side of it but maybe like something atmospheric maybe uh 
maybe the cure they were high on disintegration right then so that would have been yeah that, that could have been, been cool. a really moody batman soundtrack but they were not in love with uh kim basinger it was not friday right hmm. so but yeah okay so we get uh we have the opening and then we get we the best action scene like of all time or one of the best bat- batman action scenes the best for a long time right yeah, uh, I I thought I remember thinking that I, because the the fight scene was cool in the first movie, but yeah, I mean it also at the same time it it was what it was. You could tell that it was it was kind of uh, they were working on a limited budget and yeah. unlike so like the, the 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 latex and the leather and everything else they used to do the bat suits um, degrades like really 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 fast um and i want to say on the first film they only went through like maybe five or six suits um but by the time production came like the end of production came uh those suits were in pieces they were cracking they were tearing and i mean they were doing all they can to they were doing everything they could in their power to hold them together whereas interesting whereas this movie they had a budget a huge budget um, so much so that they ended up creating like somewhere in the neighborhood of like seventy five cat suits for uh Catwoman and those things were a thousand dollars a pop. Wow. Wow. And uh she was also uh like whenever she would fit into those things, like they would literally like literally vacuum seal her in to the costume. Oh, I was gonna say drool. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, shoot. Because that's what I did. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, you and everybody else. Which, yeah. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer, like, there was a lot of people that wanted this role. And one of them came back, actually, from the last film. The original actress that was going to play Vicki Vale, Sean Young, mm. uh, campaigned hard to play Catwoman. She went crazy. Like, she would burst into the studio wearing a like a homemade cat suit and she would walk around and she'd purr and she'd roll on the floor or she'd crawl up on <laughs> she would crawl up she would crawl up on a desk and say like I'm your cat woman like look at me I'm so I've been studying my my cats and like she lost her mind she lost her mind <laughs> trying to get this role and she would I mean it wasn't just coming into the studio mm-hmm. she would pursue like um john peters or tim burton anybody with production she would kind of stalk them trying to get this role uh so much so that uh the studio put a restraining order on her for a little bit wow um yeah it got it got crazy uh other people that were considered insane or i guess one other person that was uh considered for the role was annette benning um she went on to collaborate with tim and do mars attacks and if you've seen American Beauty, she's in that. But uh, I don't know much about Annette Bening. That's just. Huh. But yeah. So I'm a lot of happy people... with where they went. Meryl Streep wanted it. Meryl Streep wanted it to be Catwoman, but Tim deemed huh. her too old. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, after some of the things that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer went through in this role, like Meryl Streep might have broken something right right uh 
Yeah, I don't know. And Danny DeVito, like, I mean, if we're gonna like, we're getting into casting, so like, you got to talk about Danny DeVito. You mm-hmm. know, like he was super creepy. And of course, you got Michael Keaton back. Christopher Walken was an oddball, and I never realized that was how. You know, like a lot of people talk about Christopher Walken, and they do like, you know, they do their own. Christopher Walken voice. Yeah, they do their yeah, own. I voice. can't even. <laughs> and uh, they do their own voice and their own impression, and. I don't know. Like I, I will say that like for the longest time, like I watched this movie and I never never noticed Christopher Walken was in it. It took me a while. Whenever I started really getting into like horror films and stuff, mm. I started picking up. I was like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, it's that guy. And like it's the headless horseman. Yeah. Well, yeah. He went on to be the headless horseman. And uh, do you know why he went on to be the headless horseman? Because no. Tim Burton finds him the most frightening human being he's ever <laughs> come across. <laughs> Like that's hilarious. That is, that I is could a, totally see it though. That is a real fact. Um, but yeah, I mean, like most people know Christopher Walken, like is the more cowbell guy, and uh, right. I don't know. Like he's always just been Max Shrek. Like that was the first thing I saw him as, and he didn't. He's not very Christopher Walken in this film. No, I will he's say he's not because you know you like usually people's impressions they do all of his snl stuff which he, like he did so many so much hosting on there and stuff that he actually has like a best of dvd and so they'll always do his impressions which has like it's very uh almost i don't want to say shatner-esque but it's very choppy in his voice where he he talks like this kind of you know yeah exactly but in this movie it's not like that at all no it's it's not and uh He's actually kind of terrifying. Like, there's one other yeah. movie that he's done that's kind of like he's. I've I've found him purely unsettling, and that was a. Uh, it was the Dead Zone, and you're not necessarily meant to find. He's like the good guy. You're not necessarily meant to find him really unsettling, but he creeps me out in that movie for some reason. Hmm. Um, and here's Max Shrek. Like, he is the boss from hell, and. Uh, hell yeah. I think, and I think his 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 uh, performance in this is great personally, and I'll, it's actually my favorite uh, Christopher Walken movie where he's befriended somebody who's looking for his parents. Wait, uh, Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt was the other one. Sorry. <laughs> what was What was the other one? Joe Dirt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron. <laughs> oh my god, that is funny. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Yeah, so Michael Keaton once again, and uh, I mean Michael Keaton, we have to talk about like he was ba- he was Bruce Wayne in Batman, and he was he was well enough in the first one, but in this one, uh, I definitely feel like you get you see more of his range, and there's a lot of revisionist history with this film with people not. Uh, people today saying it's like a masterpiece and a work of art and blah 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 but back then they hated it um but i will tell you that like the people that could tell you that michael keaton was their favorite batman it wasn't because of batman 1989 because you could have really put just about anybody there Mm -hmm. in my opinion like yeah he's intense with his eyes like i said before um but had had somebody else taken his part in batman returns whoever was in Batman Returns would have been your favorite Batman because he's got so much depth here. Yeah. He's got, like, you see his very, like, kind of calm, collected um, detective side, but you also see his really 
flustered side and you see him trying to trying to deal with the duality of being Bruce and Batman. Yeah, and which I love. I love that. Which kind of gets kind of gets retreaded uh oh yeah. in in what Batman Forever um Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, it gets retreaded in Batman Forever, which is the next film. It's kind of like doing like we all saw Spider-Man 2. And in Spider-Man 2, he gives up being Peter Parker. It's like, in Spider-Man 3, guess what? You're going to have another crisis. What's the point? You know? like right. I don't know. I just feel like I feel like Batman Forever took a lot of what was good about Batman Returns and kind of did a bad job with it. Like, just reiterating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, a lot of... This was actually the only... For a long time, this was the only film where Batman himself, the actor, got top billing. Because before, it was uh, Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. And come Batman Forever, it's going to be Tommy Lee Jones. And come Batman Batman and Robin, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Interesting. This is the only... Yeah, so until Batman Begins, like this was the only film giving Batman himself top billing. Um... Yeah. So uh, another interesting fact was that um, this was apparently the first time, and I just learned this recently. Um, first time that Selena Kyle, Oswald Cobblepot, those names were actually uttered on screen, um, or something other than the comic book. For uh, apparently for the 1966 series, there was just random aliases, uh, super friends. Nobody got a name beyond like whatever their whatever their you know title really you know their alias was mm. uh uh and yeah now we have now we have this we actually have names to like true identities to characters that have been around for like that's 30, crazy. 40 years like that is so strange because if you watch if you watch a cartoon today um like avengers assemble or you watch ultimate spider-man or whatever like you get all the details about everything mm-hmm. like it's very much a whole universe i i think i would have gone crazy if i had to watch the 1966 show and i'd be like i want to learn more about these villains and instead you get batman taking drugs and doing some weird dance that you see all over the internet <laughs> yeah right. I, I don't know yeah, I mean, honestly, one of my absolute favorite things about DC and Batman especially is the villains. Yeah. And here they do take um they take front like they've they've pretty actually equal screen time, but they're very much the villains are very much more of the centerpiece of the story. Yeah. And that's a lot because I feel like Tim Burton didn't know how to make Bruce Wayne all that compelling. Mm. Uh, I feel like Christopher Nolan gets it right later, but I feel like Tim Burton's also just kind of drawn to dark things. Right. And the villains are the darker side of life. Therefore, the movie's going to be more about that walk mm-hmm. and not Bruce Wayne. And honestly, my fa- my personal favorite thing about the movie is actually Selena Kyle. Like, the whole Catwin- Catwoman thing, the transition, her dual um, personality complex right. that she's going through and it's awesome to see them come together because that's a relationship that you know you see right beyond just well, this movie yeah and that's tim burton's thing kind of is that he uh he try he he sympathizes with monster like 
characters. Right. right. Which is something and that so I, I also do. that for you. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, like, Catwoman, uh, so... 1992 was an interesting time to be alive as far as movies and promotional materials went because back then you would still have the subways that were filled with um, posters, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a big part of advertising was advertising in the subway or advertising like on any billboard you could get on or any random bus stop you could get on. All the Catwoman posters were constantly stolen. <laughs> Constantly stolen, so much so. That oh, that this, would have been me. That's uh, the New York subway system hired guards just to monitor, like the the posters, mainly the Catwoman ones, through the subway. I believe it. I one hundred percent believe it. I mean, because... that's, it's an interesting time because, like today, like today, if we want a poster or something we like that, it's readily it. available. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and companies also like most of those uh, bus stop billboards are digital these days. Yeah. So it's not even you don't even have to print it. There's nothing to take home. Right. You can just go so, find that on the internet. And another part of the uh, the marketing that fell on its face was the Happy Meal toys. And <laughs> uh, the Happy Meal toys uh, were deemed too scary. They were out for about a month. McDonald's recalled them. Uh, in part due to a crazy batch of moms. They were kind of like the mothers against Kiss. Um, <laughs> they would go and have rallies <laughs> against Batman. Batman was too scary for their kids. Uh, Batman is uh, Batman is a gothic Dracula, and he does not. He's not. A, he's not a good idol for our kids. Uh, I mean, like it got so bad that Walmart clearanced out. Like I got new Batman Returns bed sheets because walmart clearanced out their bed sheets of batman because they weren't selling well that's interesting yeah people, people were afraid to buy it or people were saying such like, a different time it's so weird because it's really not that that long ago it i mean really? it's not yeah it's, yeah it's not that long ago and not but only that's 100 percent different than what it's like now yeah and i would argue that like I would I would argue that the Joker is just as terrifying and unsettling as Danny DeVito, uh, like the Joker of The Dark Knight, is just as unsettling as Danny DeVito in Batman Returns. Oh yeah, I I would I would definitely agree. Um, yeah, I would say just as. So I mean, and but yet you see his image everywhere, and you don't see moms rising up. It's just it's no, a whole, it's a different Heath, culture. He's Heath Ledger. Yeah. <laughs> the moms love Heath Ledger. Right. It's just a different. It's a different culture. It's interesting. Yeah, it, um, it is. It's it's strange. Um, what did you guys? Think? Which, not only is he like uh, um, creepy, he's also very uh, sexual, uh, yeah. perverted man. <laughs> he is. He's a dirty right. old man. I, <laughs> he's a dirty. I old wrote man. it. I wrote down like my favorite quotes that he had, which in the office he said. I'd like to fill her void when he <laughs> said, we'll get you a new spot to fill. And he says, uh, teach like her my my French flipper trick. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, moves his move his hand a little bit. And later uh, he, he puts the button on the girl <laughs> and, and then goes upstairs and saying, like, uh, another voter to get, another 
person to grope or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite is still, oh, what, what does he say when he says Selena? Just the pussy it, I've been looking for. Just the pussy for. I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. Such yeah, a great which line. I mean, when I was a kid, that all went over my head. I was <laughs> <trying>. <laughs> yeah. That one isn't even subtle at all. <laughs> I was five years old. But yeah, yeah, five years old. Uh, That's so funny. Yeah, this movie was really, I don't know, it's just, uh, this became, this is Tim Burton. To me, it's Tim Burton's masterpiece. It stands above everything else he's ever done. Um, I mean, it may not be an original creation. And before our listeners be like, no, his masterpiece was Nightmare Before Christmas, fact check that. That's actually not directed by Tim Burton. Oh. Um, but this All is. All right. Yeah, this is. Mind blown. I didn't actually even know that. You didn't know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't direct that. He created the characters in the world, but he didn't direct that. Um, I still probably wouldn't have even said that. That's my my personal favorite, though. I will. So, okay, I we have to talk about something. Uh, speaking of how dark things get, let's talk about how many people Batman kills in this movie. Oh, this is a good one, because I was going to bring up when we were talking about the uh, uh, triangle I don't ga- remember. Uh, gang whenever he throws a grenade into the sewer. After the guy that was in there and completely just blows him up. Oh, the dynamite guy. Yeah, yeah. So I I have a list here, and this is what I. This is just my opinion, but the opening of the opening of the movie, he hits two guys with his car, and then he throws them through a storefront. <laughs> um, dead. I'm gonna say they're probably dead. Dead. There, um, another guy gets hit by fire from the Batmobile. Right. Dead. Um. He he maybe he didn't die maybe it was just severe Scorched. injuries like the, like he is third degree burns and well on his way to the emergency room yeah he straps dynamite to a guy and throws him over the that's edge that's the thing yeah um and you got to talk about the penguin at the end where he throws or he gets bats thrown in his face and then he falls uh like what probably fifty feet and while he gets up and tries to walk. He eventually falls down on his face and dies. And like, dies. You could you could say that one was accidental, Bat- but everybody else, Batman, you killed five. You killed four people. Good four people. <laughs> four people. Four and casualties. nobody cared. Like nobody, nobody even cared. Nope. Like, like today, people get really mad that Batman. Uh, like with our latest Batman movie, um, uh-huh. that was one of the bigger complaints that I had here about the movie. Supposedly he kills 21 people in that movie. I didn't count 21. I didn't. I, yeah. I would say that maybe he killed five or six. Yeah. But I, I read a number today that was 21. I was like, you got to be kidding me. He he was no. I mean, yeah. Okay, never mind. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll talk about that. We'll one. talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Um. But one in this thing I I had a thought about though was with Penguin. It starts out with that birth, and then it shows you like the monster of a baby he is, and all I could think was. That poor woman's vagina. <laughs> right, because I mean, whenever he came, whenever he came out, it just had to. He had to waddle his way out. <laughs> yeah. He carved his name on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a long name. Uh, yeah, Oswald, Oswald Cobblepot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she did it to herself by naming him that. Hey, so was uh, Shrek's dog, Geraldo, was he stuffed or was that like a statue of him? I believe that was stuffed, but I, I honestly, I don't, I don't even remember the, 
I don't really remember the dog. I don't either. <laughs> I was like, there's a dog? It was, uh, she said, uh, he was like, how'd you get into my files on my computer? And she says, that was way more Hispanic than uh than Christopher Walken. But anyway, uh, she says, how did you get in? He says, how do you get in my computer? And she's like, well, I figured your password was Geraldo, your dog. And then they, she goes to the wall and his dog is, to me, evidently stuffed on up there on the ledge. Interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah. Um, Strange character. Yeah, Max Shrek was very interesting. I kind of I want to, like, I was happy with everything we got in Max Shrek, but I could do with a with Max Shrek being a force in Gotham, like kind of yeah. like a Falcone. Yeah. That would yeah. have been cool. It would have been really cool. Um, but the way he went out was very cool too. It was. It was very cool. It was very creepy. It was very Tim Burton. Oh, it's hot. Uh, you know, another interesting thing is that, uh, speaking of uh, Burton, is that this is the only Burton sequel. Whoa. This is the only one he's ever directed. I mean, like, we've talked about Beetlejuice 2 for I don't know how many years. Right. But... That never happened, and he didn't do Alice through the Looking Glasses. Somebody else, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, and Corpse Bride, if you said existed in the same world as Nightmare Before Christmas, which a lot of people do argue that that would only be his first entry into that series, right? So, yeah, I don't know. That was a. That, I always found that interesting. That um, is that is really interesting. I never really thought about that. Yeah. I've got another question real quick. All right. Um, So Batman in this movie is accused of murder. Well, kind of. They they never – or Commissioner Gordon always thinks he's innocent, it seems. But uh, – Commissioner Gordon going doesn't ever long... know what's going on in these movies. Yeah. Like, he's just like <laughs> – he, he never knows. Like, And it especially gets very obvious with, like, parts three and four. Right. I, it's been a while since but, we've seen – um, so yeah, he's, he's basically being accused of this stuff and they're setting it up, setting it up to where he'll be caught. And then later on we see, uh, the scene with, uh, DJ Batty Bruce, where he evidently figures out a way to scratch a CD like a record. Yeah. Um, this is awesome. I don't know how that works, but, uh, and he plays all the stuff. And so now everybody hates Oswald, but it still never cleared his name. No, it never it never cleared his name. They just like plot hole. Well, wait, wait, wait. He's accused of killing the Ice Princess, right? Mm. Um, and of course, like he's standing there, and you have one dude who shouts, "Batman through the princess!" Like, I can't, I can't. That's a good point. I mean, like, while I can't say nobody can actually say if he threw him or not, I imagine that Gordon would be probably off screen, like, hey. Did you do this or not? Of course, Batman's going to say no because no. he didn't do it. And then it's like, okay, you know, thanks for saving the day. That's what you've been doing for the past however many years because this movie obviously takes place like probably a good two two to three years later mm. after Batman 1989 to where Batman can walk through the streets and people do not freak out. Right. Uh, they should have had a Batman 2.5 where it's the trial that proves him innocent. <laughs> They tr- they tried to have that people versus Batman. Yeah, yeah. They they tried to have that, <laughs> and then Harvey Dent got all scarred up, and it's a whole <laughs> it's a whole nother movie. And he also changed changed races. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the most expensive shot in the movie was the uh, the final shot. Uh, 
the final after the credits shot with Catwoman rising up and looking at the signal. Uh, that was actually going to mm. set up a Catwoman solo film. Which would have been amazing. It could have been amazing. Uh, they couldn't get they couldn't get Michelle Pfeiffer on board because she could barely breathe in the suit and they were not willing oh. to compromise on the suit. Mm. Um, so that lingered around for ever. And then eventually we got a solo Catwoman film. And I don't know if you ever want to nah. talk about that. I never but watched like, it. Maybe one day we'll, we'll get a... It was bad, though, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, man, it was Blah. bad. It was so bad. Yeah. The but only it, thing that I just I remember, well, yeah, we'll get well someday, maybe. It would be fun to do. Uh, but, yeah, like Seth was saying, or I was saying earlier, this is my favorite film or Batman movie. Uh, I love, I mean, I said last week or last episode, Michael Keaton's my favorite Batman Uh this isn't my. This is my favorite Batman movie, but my favorite Michael Keaton movie would probably be Birdman. But I also, like I said, Danny DeVito is so convincing, and just I don't know. Uh, I I don't think Michelle Pfeiffer is like that attractive, but in that suit, man. <laughs> but Everett, uh, I think you could put the suit yes. on, and we'd find you attractive. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, okay. though, she she the, had me. From the get go, really? Yeah, she you know had, she had when, when from the get go. I don't know what it was. Maybe her eyes. Those there's just something about her. Maybe the psychotic demon hiding behind. Her Honestly, eyes. probably. Well, I I just saw her doing her thing. Maybe I knew what she'd become, and it already infatuated me. But like, I was sold, and I loved. I don't. I, it was it was cool to see her like. Come home, do the answering machine thing, like when she right. slapped out the uh, uh, the "hello there" sign where it said "hell here." Yes, that was completely improvised. Like, oh, that really? that whole scene and like from the start of her getting pushed out of the window and you're you're following her down, uh, that whole like cat scene and then into her destroying the apartment to me is very like. Raimi Evil Dead feel and that that just makes me fall in love with that whole part. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say like like I, I I instantly was on board with her before, you know, and I, I'd never seen the movie so I didn't know that that was gonna happen. I mean I had the idea because she was getting shot, you know, in the scene that I did see, but um the change the kind of like quiet at first, just like open the door and like wide eyed and not all there, pouring the milk onto the floor instead of the bowl, and then transitioning into just rage, yeah, losing it. It was a cool scene. It was a cool scene. Um, which it's interesting. A lot of the things that were in her apartment. Uh, so this is one of the last films that Warner Brothers, like at least until the Harry Potter films really built out crazy sets for. Mm. And uh, this took up 50% of the Warner Brothers lot, or actually a little bit over, which is huge. Mm. Um, but like a lot of the stuff in her apartment was movie props from other films. And that house, and I could be getting it wrong, but the dollhouse, um, you remember the dollhouse, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the dollhouse uh, was from an old 80s film. I I think it's called Ghost House. Um but like that was that was a model for a horror movie 
that they just dropped in there. And there's a bunch of other cool little relics around her apartment that came from like 80s B films. That's cool. Um, yeah, there's and there's a lot of great model work in this. Like this was uh, one of the first. There's a lot of great model work in this, but there's also a lot of great. Uh, you don't. You see it, and now it sticks out more than ever. But at the time, you didn't know what it was. But CGI. This had the first ever major studio use of CGI, and that was the Batmobile um, armoring up and armoring down. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so that's your CGI, and then you had some really, really awesome model work uh, by the same guys who did, like, Aliens, worked with James Cameron, and did, uh, they would go on to do Titanic, they did, uh, what was the other one, uh, Terminator 2, like, they've been everywhere, they've done a little bit of everything, uh, but that that whole chase and where the Batmobile splits up, into three pieces. Oh yeah, that was really cool. I mean, like that still hold that model work still holds up today. Like yeah. that is still yeah, it's still a very viable, um, like story way of storytelling for film and effects. Like a lot of people just jump straight to CGI and they skip the practical stuff. But I'm telling you, like some of this old practical stuff still holds up today and looks better than the CGI yeah. that you see. Um. Yeah, and actually, so we're talking about model work. Another thing that a lot of people don't notice, uh, whenever Selena falls out of the um, out of the office, and she's laying there and surrounded by cats, that's actually uh, a fully built and detailed out life size replica of Michelle Pfeiffer, and they put tuna like into the makeup that went on. Uh, the doll so the cats would be attracted to her what yeah that's what that's cool and that's how they get all the cats swarming around her and like mm-hmm. that's why it looks like they're chewing on her is because like just beneath the skin there is tuna <laughs> weird yeah that's genius though it is genius whoever came up with that idea like to make cat because i mean otherwise like you're working with cats and cats don't do don't always do what you what want you them want to, do. to do. Just like, like they... Everett's cat is sitting here on our headphone amp at the moment. <laughs> um, Just chilling. Yeah. We've already pushed her off at least twice, and now we've given up. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, this is mine. And now and she's, she, she she's... knows we're talking about her, and now she's making herself even more comfortable by knocking things, like getting ready to knock things over. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, like later on you have the you have some model work uh actually you model work with the uh with the penguins and then walking through the city uh you have uh model work with his duck the penguins duck oh yeah which the penguins about half of them are animatronic but half of them are real uh, you know right. honestly I was I was wondering that while watching I was like oh, are, are are these real they flew them over from England wow for like 2 days um to film this like because they looked real, so oh, some yeah. of them, yeah. Yeah, no, they're pretty much there. Those are some from, dedicated penguins. Yeah, some highly trained penguins. Yeah. Um, the only one that I can tell you is fake is uh, it's one of the you can no, you can notice because uh, the rockets go off on them. Mm. None of the live penguins have rockets going off on them, and there's only one scene that I was I've ever been able to pick out like that one's not real. Hmm. But. Maybe that's just me, uh, the, like the ones that hard. the ones that 
uh, drag him down into the water. Are they? So, yeah, yeah. That's the only one that I know for sure that they're fake. Interesting. I I never thought those were fake. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. I mean, they didn't seem fake to me. But interesting. Uh, so we were talking about the Catwoman's uh, transformation. Yeah. I got curious today, and uh, I just wanted to like. I knew the UK cut this film up really weird and like they never got the full version of this film into two th- until 2012. Um, like they cut out a scene with a guy that had uh, things that look like nunchucks, whatever it's Batman versus the five individuals. And he has the remote battering and uh, Catwoman throwing uh, the spray cans in the microwave and exploding the store that was cut out from the UK. Like, yeah, took till 2012 for them to actually be able to see the full movie in the UK and be able to watch. <laughs> and in South Korea, they cut out the entire trans. So VHS, uh, which is a relic and an antique for a, a lot of people today, yeah. um, but VHS uh, only had two hours of tape, uh, at least in most foreign countries, because it was made a lot cheaper. And. Uh, they had two hours. This is a two hour and six minute film. So they cut the entire transformation of Catwoman. No. And it wasn't until a few years ago that like maybe 2000, 2014, I don't know. There was a Blu-ray set that was released and it actually had the right, the full version of the film on there, but all their DVDs and their, all their VHSs, everything uh, even their laser discs was missing the six minutes huh. where Catwoman transforms. Take that out of the movie. What kind of movie does that make? Like it's kind of like, well, this a girl, weird movie. Yeah, this girl fell out of a uh, out of a office building, yeah. and now she's acting like a cat. Why? Like she's wearing <laughs> black leather. Why? Where did this leather come from? I have no idea. Like so many questions. Like I can, I would be so mad. Like yeah, what? I'd be pissed. Or what if like I don't know like there's there's other long like, crazy long movies out there like what is it Godfather like what did they cut out of that movie? <laughs> oh gosh, they're like I you guys keep quoting this like I got a deal you can't refuse. Game. What is that from? <laughs> what did you say? They cut out the Titanic sinking. Yeah, <laughs> right. Probably. Wait, how did all the pe- how did all of her friends die? <laughs> oh, that was a good film. because like, yeah. I mean it's three hours long, so you they, gotta cut a whole hour out of that. Clearly, one. they got away. Yeah, they got into one of these safety rafts, and or left. maybe it didn't even end with the crisis. <laughs> maybe maybe it just ended with them like after they have their little rendezvous in the back of the the car, and the hand comes up and slams yeah, again, which it, is like and the best cut, part. And, and then it cuts over. to black, like uh-huh. cuts to black, and it says like, "What a happy ending." <laughs> yeah, they engaged in coitus. Well, the it's, end. Well, <laughs> actually, if you think about it, when that hand slams against it, it's kind of like a horror movie. Like, what did you? It's a like, little, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just says, "What's going on yeah. here?" It just says the end? Question mark. <laughs> She's dead. <laughs> oh man, that's a good point. Wow, Which, I want to see that version. Well, uh, you know, Euro- <laughs> Europe is uh, is famous for uh, not having copyright laws, so kind of, um, or at least not as strict as what the U.S. does as far as intellectual property goes. And uh, they made a lot of unofficial sequels to films that we watch. Like Evil Dead has a has a, a three, four, five, six, and seven. What? In Europe. 
and they do wow. not connect or make sense at all. But they are all under the La Casa. Um, yeah, they're called La Casa. They're the La Casa films, and there's seven of them. Jeez. Yeah, and uh, like, what is it? Alien got a film. Uh, Alien got a sequel. It was called Alien Two on Earth, and it is the one of the worst shot, acted, and made films in the history of film. Uh, same thing with like the zombie films, like Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead. They had very random sequels over there. That's so weird. It's kind of the Wild West, so you never quite know. There might be a Titanic 2 horror film out there. I sure hope so. I'm going to go find it. Yeah. Uh, there's random stuff that you find online. I have three things that I wanted to bring up about this film, even though it is my favorite Batman film. Just for funs, uh, I wanted to bring up these three little goofy things about it. <laughs> uh or four, sorry, four goofy things about it. Oh no, three. I'm setting a three. If y'all want to discuss these three things with me, yes. Yeah, perfect. Um, one. Does Penguin have like soundproof windows on his building? Because Bruce comes driving by to look in on him with this jet engine of a. a vehicle right by his window and he doesn't even turn you know what i i could get i could let maybe he's got maybe it's batman okay it's batman maybe he's got silencers on it but you know that car probably vibrates the hell out of all those buildings (laughs) and probably knocks over trash cans as it drives by (laughs) he's driving by and it's like that's the noise that it's giving off and I'm like why is he not looking (laughs) are we having an earthquake no it's just Batman driving by (laughs) okay and then um, there's uh, Bruce invites Selena over for dinner 5 o'clock doesn't give her address does he just assume everybody in Gotham City has his address well honestly I, probably everybody in Gotham City does have his address yeah I mean it's the Wayne Manor it's uh it's pretty he has that long freaking drive all the way up through the woods <laughs> yeah yeah I mean she might get lost or she might drive into a cave wall that's not a cave wall but it's freaking Bruce oh! Wayne it's worth it <laughs> oh no Alfred <laughs> she found the bat cave did you give her a did fucking you map let her in <laughs> yeah <laughs> Not again. <laughs> what did I, Alfred, I thought we I'm going to have to put lesson. you down. <laughs> what the hell? And, the, and my last one was, um, even though, like, you know, everybody has, like, pagers in the 90s and all that to let them know something's up. Or maybe, you know, a little fl- red flashing light would be cool to see him get a notification that hey it's batman time but no he has this giant movable light that shines in through his window just in his study so that when he's standing there he sees the giant signal in front of him to look up at he gets blinded every time he's needed i kind of assume that it actually maybe he had some kind of uh tracker on him so and those things were on uh 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 whatever it is um motion sensor no, no. Gy- they're on like gyros, and uh, oh. they could go anywhere in the house. They could track. Mm. They were tracking him. Like I always assumed he had a device on him. Um, he's not gonna well, just another, another thing. Luckily, he's not having like 
a party there in that, the same room as him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, That's that, the that, good that was point. always That's that was always point. my thought, especially like uh uh what is it? Is it I don't know. No, it's later on. It's the Nolan films. I was going to say, especially in the like one of the next films where he has a huge party of people and it's like, oh, Batman's needed. And it's like, why do you have a big Batman symbol? It's like, well, <laughs> sometimes sometimes Alfred pretends he's the bad guy <laughs> and, uh, and I go get my sheets and the towels and we have a good time. It's like, oh, Bruce. <laughs> oh, Bruce. <laughs> You've been hanging out with Robin too long. <laughs> oh, jeez. What was your fourth thing? Uh, the only other fourth thing was uh, I just thought um, when uh, the Triangle Gang is destroying the city in the first scene and um, Selena, she's she's uh, being attacked and then she being like hot. has that weird interaction with Batman where they stare at each other for like three seconds and he go or it wasn't like three seconds it felt like. 10 minutes they're staring at each other and then he leaves and she's like well that was brief and i was like was it <laughs> <laughs> right it didn't feel brief at all <laughs> yeah there's a lot of like interesting long gazing into each other's eyes in this film um i was distracted by the fact that i was gazing yeah you you were gazing <laughs> um <laughs> i do remember at the end of the movie seth had never seen it before i just remember at the end him going Damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, there was one. I can't even remember what the line was, but it was something that uh, Sel- uh, Selena Kyle says. And, like, I heard it, and I was like, oh, like, because it was great. And then I look at Everett, and he's got the same expression, and we have this moment of, like, that was hot. And then we go back to watch <laughs> the movie. <laughs> uh. But what was it? I can't even remember. It was probably something she said during the masquerade. I think before they kind of had that moment, yeah, yeah, where they're like, "Okay, well, do we need to take this outside or whatever?" Mm-hmm. But it was, it was before that. Although when they said it, it wasn't like we need to take this outside. It was like a, oh, uh, guess we need to take this outside. Like they were sad because yeah. like Bruce and Selena both are very withdrawn and very disconnected characters as yeah. far as society goes and human connection. Um, and they had found one with each other, and then they realized that they were on opposite sides. They were on opposite sides, but they were truly the same person. Right. And sometimes people like that come into your life, and it is one of the hardest times you will ever face. Mister Rogers, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a of a, one of his songs, and I can't. Won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it, I don't know. This movie, it was full of feels, which I I love feels. It was full of great villains cuz I love great villains. Um, Selena Kyle, Kyle especially because she's not just a villain. How many people do you think walked into Penguin's trailer and saw the mini Batmobile and just was kind of like, "Huh?" <laughs> 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 like, huh, like wonder what that guy does in his free time. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Huh. What a weirdo! Oh, right. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's kind of weird, but I guess there's weirder things. That was you know? such a cool idea. Yeah, <laughs> I loved that that whole scene. That whole scene was yeah. That was <laughs> that yeah. That was an amazing. It scene. was interesting though how the Triangle Gang goes up to his Batmobile and they're like opening the hood and digging through it, and then it just takes him to just 
punch through his floor and pull the thing off. Right. And, that, and part, kind of <laughs> that part kind of got me, to me a little bit. I was like, no way. Well, <laughs> well, because that, so that was like the, okay, so that's like your, your modem, right? That's like, you know, that's where you're, but the rest of it was like your CPU. Oh, okay. That's how I always took it. Like they mm. installed like new controls and new interfaces into, uh, into the Batmobile and that was just simply a signal router and without that, it's doomed. Mm. Mm. Okay. And, and after that, it just becomes penguin, you know, role playing, <laughs> which is now still great. <laughs> now explain, explain away the styrofoam floor. Wait, what now? Now explain away the styro- styrofoam floorboard. Right. Right. Yeah, because yeah. Batman could punch right through <laughs> it. I I can't I can't do that one because I mean you would think with a jet turbine engine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You 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 <laughs> might have a little bit more insulation because guess what you get rear-ended, pal. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Not only do you go, but the city's gonna go with you. <laughs> oh man. But still, I mean, loved the lines in this movie. Yes, there are a few that were cheesy, but you you didn't think about that. You just loved it, and uh, I honestly wasn't expecting for some reason. Like I I was excited. <laughs> Um, because I had seen that scene, so I knew I was gonna like it just from that. Um, right. Also, though, I thought she died. Oh, Catwoman. It, yeah. Yeah. And so seeing it and her not dying was cool. It was yeah. A, it was a what a twist moment for me personally. Which I mean, like if you watch Catwoman, it refers to, it refers to Batman Returns. Really. Yeah, it's very, very, very slight, very passing, just quick. Kind of like who let Vicky Bell in the Batcave, you know, like one of those kind of moments. Right. Um, yeah, that that could be fun to do sometime. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I was just going to say that, yeah, I wasn't expecting like this movie more than the original Batman. Or, or not original, but the first. 1989. Batman. Yeah, 1989. I can never remember the year. Um, but I did. So much more. So much more. I also wasn't expecting to, for it to even come close to the Dark Knight, and it's either right there or more. I also haven't seen those movies in a while, so we'll, we'll see. Revisit, revisit them soon. It's yeah. gonna be awesome. I know. I'm excited. Uh, do we want to do favorite scenes? Oh yeah, we should probably do that. But, uh, I mean, I, I've said my favorite scene uh, when she's getting shot. Um, I don't like the emotions are crazy because I've been I've been like so attracted to this woman for a couple hours now and now, now I'm she's seeing getting shot I'm seeing her like, get shot and like the acting for the expressions when she gets shot and she's still taking those steps and then she starts to sing the what what is it not sing but like three four something you know uh, that well, not quite the freddy krueger thing but yeah she was singing something yeah like, it was close all to good that. girls go to heaven that's what it is yeah. and uh, just the whole sequence of him like shooting her walking and counting down her lives and then right. in the end saying she's gonna save one for christmas yeah and then just gives them the kiss of death yeah what you mean yeah that seen. whole scene is just like I'm on edge the whole time. It looks great, the acting is great, and she lived, which I wasn't even I wasn't expecting. So yeah. I mean, cool. like the acting was top notch for 
especially for a comic book film because you tell most people you're in a comic yeah. book fa- film and they're just kind of like oh haha this is you know this doesn't matter nothing matters like right. we're just we're comic book ridiculous over the top characters but everybody here played it like a serious drama mm-hmm. and on top of that they could have put this film out any time and if i remember right it came out in october instead of making it a christmas film because it is a christmas film it is definitely they've made it the halloween film which was a better call it's like the nightmare before christmas proto yeah <laughs> uh my favorite scene would be the beginning uh when batman is saving selena and he shoots behind the clown and he's like you missed and bam takes him out like that moment right there, like I was just like, uh, that that's that's awesome. I I love it when any any um show or movie does that, and that happens a lot in Batman too. I think not even just in this movie, but like right. I think it's been reused. It has been. This is where it started. Yeah, which but, is so cool. Yeah, Everett. Uh, yeah. I like I said before the um, I, I've ne- I don't think I've ever stated it on this podcast yet, but my favorite movie is Evil Dead Two, directed by Sam Raimi. And that whole scene of her falling down and then the cats coming around and, like, uh, her eyes start twitching, you know, right before she comes back. It just it just reminds me of that. Come on, Batman! <laughs> Creepy and, but, like, at the same time, uh, kind of campy feeling and cool. Yeah. It is a cool scene. It my is. voice cracked, but it's just that cool. It changed my voice. All right. Yeah. So uh, what was that thought you were going to say, Everett? Sorry. Well, I wanted to. I forgot my notes for the last podcast, uh-huh. and uh, I, I have them. And I wanted to bring this back up. In the last movie, Batman is in Vicky Vale's apartment. The Joker shows up. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'm going to be prepared, go in there, do my thing. So I'll just put this uh, metal um, tray under my shirt. Right. So if I get, so if I get shot. And he gets shot right there in that metal plate. And all I could think was my mind immediately went back to the classic uh, comedy with Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, Dumb and Dumber, when the same thing happens. And then he has the urge to say, what what if he had shot you in the head? Indeed. What if he had shot you in the head? That'd be the end of it. (laughs) That would be the end of it. Batman, you were Come on, Batman! (laughs) Yeah. He thought so much ahead, he was like, this is the Joker, he's not going to go for a headshot, he's going to put a smile on my face. Hey guys, thanks once again for listening to Geek Cinema Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, your podcast app, and continue with us in our celebration of 50 years of Batman films on Wednesday with Batman Forever. Um, if you want to hit us up online, join in the conversation, tell us a movie you'd like us to go over, uh, you can hit us up at facebook.com slash geekcinemapod, twitter.com slash geekcinemapod, and on Instagram at geekcinema, or on our website geekcinemapod.com. See y'all on Wednesday.